0: dear listeners you may have noticed there wasn't an episode last tuesday as
1: normal this is because your producer transformed into a cartoon character flailed around and fell down the stairs i i didn't think it was going to be serious enough to derail the last episode but i was super wrong Uh, i'm getting better so thanks to everyone for the positive thoughts
0: So this means this episode comes to you from the past, even more than usual. We'll be back to our regular schedule next week.
1: Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello, I'm Renee, and you're listening to Fangirl Happy Hour for Tuesday, March 10, 2015. On today's show, we'll take a detour into our Fangirl history vaults. First up, Anna makes me watch 12 Monkeys, one of Anna's favorite SF movies. Next, we briefly come back to the present to talk about a much-discussed challenge by Katie Bradford, exhorting fandom to read beyond their comfort zone. Then, it's time for Anna to take the plunge and read my recommendation, the beloved manga series One Piece. With me today to talk about all of these things is my fellow Fangirl...
0: Anna. Hi, Anna. Hello, Renee. How are you? I'm pretty great. How are you? I'm fine. A little bit sad because Agent Carter is over and done with. You told me that it was going to be eight episodes and I just didn't believe you. And now it's over forever. And there has been no news whatsoever about a possible season two so far. Not that I have seen. I've I've been checking and following people online to see if there's anything, but there hasn't been. And I still have... I actually haven't watched all of it yet. I still have two episodes left, and I'm saving them for a rainy day, I guess. The dark
1: times, when you need the a hand. dark hint.
0: times, yes. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, but I'm sad that it's over, and I hope there's a second season, but apparently the numbers were not very good.
1: I don't think so. I think... The, I looked look at the numbers, and the numbers look fine and comparable to... Agents well, of S.H.I.E.L.D., as far as I can tell. From what I know about, you know, rating Summers, I'm not, like, a Nielsen expert. I just feel like the whole media storm around that show set it up to fail from the very beginning. So the whole dialogue around the show was like, it's not doing well enough, it's not doing well enough. There was actually a good post about this on Tumblr. Do
0: you think it was a, kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing?
1: Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I am hopeful oh, is that... is that
0: because stories about women need to be... So much better <laughs> and make so much money and have billions of viewers in order to be considered successful.
1: Who knows? Well, I'm hope I'm, like I'm kind of hopeful that maybe during the summer we might hear you know mutterings about a second a second run because I saw
0: I saw someone on Twitter yesterday saying that Agent Kat is going to appear in Ant Man. Did you see that? No. Yeah, apparently. Because
1: I have Ant-Man blocked from my. <laughs> I, that's the Ant-Man I just. I'm like back button scroll. But now, now that
0: Agent Carter is going to appear in it, maybe we want to see it. No.
1: Okay. Is that Not <laughs> even that would make you? Want I'm to boy. See it. I'm boycotting Ant-Man. I could just, I'm just like nah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't like. I'm probably gonna be like peer pressured into it eventually, but that's not. When it gets here, I might be pretty pushing into it, but at this point, mm -hmm.
0: I definitely want to see it more now. Yeah, I liked the trailer, and now that there's Agent Carter in it, it's going to be good. Hopefully, maybe. Well, good
1: luck. Good luck out there.
0: Yes. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to bring up uh, as a follow-up to our discussion about Jupiter ascending that really great post that you wrote about um, cleaning toilets and how (laughs) there has been this outcry online about the ending of Jupiter Sending and how cleaning toilets is a bad thing. And you wrote a really, really great, incredible post, uh, you know, engaging with that idea and why it's a harmful idea. And uh, at at the point where I wrote these notes for this podcast, there were 1,128 notes. Why on would you book, tell me so that? Well done.
1: Why would you <laughs> tell me that number? <laughs> Good job. Like, okay. Thanks for telling me the anxiety number. That's what I call that. I call that the anxiety number. I,
0: no, but it. I think it's, re- it's really worth reading for the meta that all the notes as well, on top of of that post have been really great and engaging with the substance of your ideas so well done Renee yay it's really good and I completely agree with your post and we have a third thing to talk about as well we both just watched um Avengers 2 Age of Ultron trailer and I thought it was pretty cool you know it's not a huge trailer like the first one I guess in terms of... No, this was the character
1: trailer. This was, was the... This, yeah, this was the, here, Let it. these people are still the characters you love, trailer. Reminder. Yeah,
0: this was the, what the fuck is Natasha and Banner getting on? That was the, my reaction. It's like, yay, Black Widow and the Hulk? I can see that.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? These trailers, I don't trust. I don't trust any trailer. Because they frame stuff in weird ways.
0: That's true, that's true, but I did get the vibe.
1: I you. really want, I really want Bruce and Natasha to be super great friends. I, like, that's, this is my hope for, like, a Black Widow movie, for her and Bruce and Bucky to, like, team up and go on, go take down Hydra. No,
0: I can see, I like friendships, but I also like not friendships.
1: <laughs> you also like when people make out. It's yes,
0: basically, and I, and I really like Mark Ruffalo. In a completely non-friendly way. Mark!
1: Mark, if you're listening, Anna really likes you.
0: (laughs) God. He's nice. I like him. You should follow him
1: on Tumblr if you don't already.
0: I do, actually.
1: He's super super entertaining. And on Twitter. Although he's really into, like, saving the world. And he tweets a lot about saving the world. And I'm just like, I'm tired. (laughs) The world's ending. (laughs) I feel so depressed. Mark, give me some good news the Ultron trailer is out and you can watch it. Uh, it made me less unhappy than the last one, so that's a good thing.
0: <laughs> there were no dramatic ca- Captain America. Shhh! Let's <laughs> <Ew. gasps> not Sorry, talk about it. I things for you, listeners.
1: Let's just don't talk about it. <laughs> if we don't talk about it, we like we we won't to face it until May.
0: It's okay. okay. It, well, May is not that far away.
1: Don't talk about that either.
0: No, soon. Soon. <laughs> oh, it will Jesus be Christ.
1: <laughs> oh, God. We've we've got to keep moving. Let's go. Yes. Let's. 12 Monkeys is a 1995 science fiction film directed by Terry Gilliam, starring Bruce Willis, Madeline Stowe, and Brad Pitt. Set in a futuristic, post-apocalyptic world in which most of the human race has been wiped out by a virus, the film follows Bruce Willis as he travels back in time to find the source of the virus and to understand how it is mutated... Following a recent discussion about the newly launched television show based on the film, Anna made me watch it just as she had watched it again for the first time in 10 years. Did the movie stand the test of time, Anna?
0: Yes, and no. No, I think the first thing that I want to say is, oh my god, has it been 20 years already since this movie came out? I remember seeing it at the movies, and I was not super young then, so right now I'm feeling old.
1: Welcome to the club. Welcome.
0: Yeah. Yes, it was an interesting experience watching it again. I've I've watched it multiple times when it came out. I think I've seen it twice at the movies at that time, and then I I had the DVD uh, and I watched it several times, and then I hadn't watched it for the past ten years. So I watched the TV show that just came out, the first episode, and uh, and then we talked about it. And I decided to watch the movie again. And I really liked it. I still really liked it. It was just different from what my memories of it were. That's pretty meta.
1: No, that's really meta, considering that's what the movie is about. (laughs) Good job.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I still really like it. And I think I still really like it for the same reasons that I liked before. I liked for the story. I like for... For the time traveling shenanigans, for the tension, for the puzzle, for the way that it builds up from the opening scene with Bruce Willis having what we think a first uh, dream, well, it is maybe a dream, his mem- hes dreaming about his memories. Say, so I like for the uh, for that part, and, which I think is why I liked uh, the most about it when I first watched it. But I think. In my in my head, I had this impression that I liked the characters as well, but watching it now, I didn't really care about the characters that much. It wasn't about the characters for me. So what did you think about the movie?
1: I was confused the entire time. Right. So you would think that I would love time loop stories, since I spent about 10 years in a fandom obsessing over one in the form of Final Fantasy VIII. But I actually really find them hard to follow. Okay. So, and, so, therefore, I really think my pleasure from Final Fantasy VIII came from the characters. And the time was just incidental to the, the, to the fact that I liked the characters. So I was, as I was trying, following this movie, because I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really like any of these characters much. I liked the, the doctor. uh yeah. Before she became a love interest that was gross. And so, but then, like, it just sort of fell apart. I just didn't really like any any of the characters. And I found, like, so many of the performances over the top ridiculous. Brad Pitt apparently won a Golden Globe for this role. Yes, he did, yeah. I was just like, oh, 90s never change. <laughs> like, this film felt like it was having a conversation with people around me who knew way more about the technicalities of film it was like an also like a game of like spot the reference and I didn't catch I, I wasn't catching them. I know there were some like Hitchcock references in there.
0: Oh yes, there was a with, the, with Vertigo, right? Mm-hmm. Um I didn't realize that either until this this time. I I I had never made that connection and then there was a moment when they are actually watching Vertigo and then she dyes her hair blonde just like the woman in Vertigo as well. Yeah, that was interesting. But I think I think you have a point about the characters, actually. And I think it, it made me realize, this is more recent view, it made me realize that, that I had much more of an intellectual, detached curiosity about what was happening more than actually caring about the future of mankind or about those particular characters. And I don't know if it's because of the over-the-top acting and not I'm not really sure if that was a problem with me, but maybe definitely the, the relationship between uh, the Bruce Willis character and the Madeline Stowe character—it was—it made me a little bit iffy this time around when I didn't have that before that that I can recall. You know, he kidnaps her. Hmm. Sure My, it does. Yes, uh, he forces her into situations that are rather violent, uncomfortable. And she still falls in love with him, and there is a conversation about um, Stockholm syndrome, and so it's it's, the, the the movie is quite aware of that problematic dynamic, problematic relationship, and I think I liked how she would be. Very cold, collected throughout the whole ordeal, and how she would try to still help him, analyze him. But then when when that crossed the line into the romantic relationship, that was a little bit more. Uh, this is weird. I don't. I don't think I like how this developed.
1: I found the whole romantic subplot super creepy, but I think this was probably on purpose because I don't really think the movie makes it. It doesn't make it a traditional romance at all. It feels less joyous than a regular romance would to me. It feels sort of desperate and out, that, like so, yeah, that's... like not. You know, yeah. I don't know. I can't say oh. the word or whatever, but it feels really, tragic. yeah. It feels really tragic, and I mean that's the whole purpose. It's a time when you can't change. You exactly. can't change time. And,
0: and you and you know and you know that because from the beginning you know what's going to happen even though you don't realize until the ending although when from the moment when she dyes her hair you kind of realize that the visions or the dreams that he was having were actually memories from when he was a child seeing himself and madeline so
1: it took me way was, longer yeah it took me until she like after she made the phone call Okay. That's when I finally figured out all the connections, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's great." But so, yeah, this yeah, this kind of this movie was like really like a puzzle. Like they wanted you to figure it out, and yes. I'm really bad for movies like that. I'm like, I really, I'm not really great at figuring, especially when they have a specific thing they want you to figure out. And if they just want to give you a movie and have you interpret it whatever way you want to, I'm okay with that. But when they they actually have a point and they want you to figure the point out, I'm really bad at stuff like that. It's, it's like a Rubik's cube, but I'm bad at Rubik's cubes.
0: I don't know, that was my favorite part. That that's exactly that's exactly what I love about it. What I still love about it. It's, it's the puzzle aspect of it. It's try it's the figuring out where what things are going and how they are going and how they were put together and how all the back and forth come together. That 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 I love that kind of movie. I love that kind of story. It's it's, it's it gives me an intellectual kick. That kind of counteracts the fact that I wasn't that invested in the characters themselves. Usually, I'm much more of a character-driven um, um, reader or viewer. Those kinds of stories, I'm, I'm much more into that. But for that specific one, I think I think for most time travel stories, actually, because I I, I love time traveling. I I think I love them because I get that intellectual kick out of it. It is what makes me want to go back to them over and over again. And eventually I get a little bit frustrated because I don't get as much out of the characters in those stories. Because I think that for the time traveling stories, you end up not paying attention to the characters that much. Because I think you concentrate so much in building up the puzzle and and making sure that there are no loopholes, there are no things that will break that chain of events, um, that maybe the writing of the characters fall outside the scope of what they are trying to do. I was going to say that one of the things that I I find fascinating about this movie, and I think that it's something that is not really how old time travel stories go, is that is the fact that he travels back in time not to change the past, which would be your first instinct, right? To, tr- to travel back in time to change the horrible thing that happens to mankind. And from he, himself, he never really even tries because he knows there is no changing history. He just wants to get this Tiny piece of information so that he can go back in the future and then from there point onwards make that change. and I find I find that fascinating about this movie and about this story and about this character because he he also because I think it would be like an, an heroic move, even even if if a naive move to go back and try to change things. but he never really tries that. This is why the romance is so tragic as well.
1: Well, when he does try to start trying to trying to change things, everything
0: does he? He doesn't. Well, I mean, the
1: fact that he's trying to, he knows he has to go back. He knows he can't stay. So this whole romance itself—that's
0: oh, okay. true—is
1: just doomed to failure.
0: No, but no, because for him, he does his job, which is to give them the information. So for for him, his mission is complete. From that point when he leaves the message to them saying, well, it's the doctor is the doctor who has the virus. He thinks that his, his mission is complete. It's over. And therefore he's free. Except that he isn't because it has already happened because he saw that when he was a child.
1: I'm just really bad at time loop stories. <laughs> Let's be real. So interesting fact about this movie. It's, was nominated for the 1996 Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation.
0: Oh, no way! Did it win?
1: No, it lost to Babylon Five: The Coming of Shadows. I don't. It's just really funny to me to go back in time and look at what, what people thought like were like the good movies. I don't know what else was on the. I don't actually know what else was on that Hugo ballot, but I just found it really funny that this movie was on.
0: That's interesting. I don't I, know. And
1: it lost to a television show. Because this was before the split, right? This was before they split into short and long form.
0: Okay. Oh, wow.
1: So now I'm feeling like... So a lot of people thought that Babylon 5 episode was way better than this movie.
0: Wow. I never watched Babylon 5. No, I'm
1: also behind on that, which makes several of my friends very sad. So you can explain the end of this movie to me. Is it a happy ending or is it not a happy ending? Because... The whole, his whole job was to tell the scientists where exactly. the mutated virus started. Like, where, like, what yes. caused it. And he does that. He tells them who it yeah. is. And then it, at the very end of the movie, you see one of the scientists sitting next to him.
0: Yeah. So, so does that mean this? It's a happy ending for humankind.
1: So, he was, he got to be, like, he was the hero and he saved the day. He was, yeah. Except absolutely. he died horribly. Yes, I'm not reading that wrong right I just feel like I'm trying to be tricked
0: (laughs) no no it is yes it is a happy ending for mankind if you care if you care about mankind at all I mean I guess (laughs) yes right (laughs) yes
1: honestly I cared way more about the animals (laughs) This is not a good sign I was like please don't hurt an animal if somebody hurts an animal in this movie I'm gonna be so mad
0: no that's true Uh, no I didn't care for the animals sorry (sighs) <sighs> um, but they were animals, they're innocent.
1: <laughs> I was so scared for the animals. <laughs> I did, however, like that they like it was like a little red herring. Like you thought the hu- the human race has fallen and animals have ta- retaken the earth. Well, not yes. really. No,
0: not really. It was just it was just um, it's from the zoo.
1: And so it hasn't even been that long. And so I think that I thought that was a, like a really interesting little trick that they played on us, and they did it several times. Yeah, um, which is really kind of cool. It's because it, it's a movie about how memory alters your perspe- like your perception of how events are, spo- are supposed to go. I yeah. think that was a really neat. Well,
0: thing. I think I think the most interesting thing I think about all of that about the science around the, the movie is that within thirty years they were able to master time travel, but not to source the mutation of the virus. And you would think that the latter would be easier <laughs> than time traveling. <laughs> so within 30 years, from 1996, humankind were so clever, they invented time travel.
1: But they couldn't but solve a virus.
0: They couldn't solve a virus. And I also wondered, okay, is this, is this the United States? So where was the rest of the world? They and, don't matter, and only white people survives as well. So there's that.
1: Well, I don't. I, I didn't dislike the movie, but I was also just really confused through the whole thing. You know, when a mo- like you feel like a movie is talking over your head because you just don't have the toolbox to engage with what it's trying to do. And that's how I felt. Okay, most of the Fair time, because I don't. And it might be that I also haven't seen enough movies by Terry Gilliam to like have a sense of him as a creator.
0: Okay, I don't think I have either. anyway, so I think that this was an interesting exercise. I really liked doing this. And, yeah uh, I'm, I'm, should I apologize? No,
1: you me? shouldn't. I need to probably go and here's the problem. I missed out on a lot of these movies as a kid because I just didn't have access to them. We didn't, like my theater the theater that showed movies didn't often show a lot of movies period, and also it was thirty five minutes away. So I didn't get to go to the movies very often. I I think in the 90s, like, I made it to the movies, like, maybe, maybe ten times. Maybe in the 90s. Wow. So, just for scope. And so, most of the movies I saw were on TV, and I missed a lot of the science fiction stuff that was more mainstream. And so, the farther back I go, the more I just really don't like the aesthetic of these movies. I don't, like, they look, I guess the visual, I don't know who the visual effects team were, but I just really found it strange and off-putting, the costume design, and the way it was filmed, and how dirty everything was, <laughs> maybe that was on purpose. Well, like, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's,
1: it's, yeah. I definitely am lost in space movie with, you know, James Hurt style of science fiction.
0: That's like, interesting, really yeah. sleek,
1: and really sleek. I liked Moon. Like, think about, think about how, like, think about Moon. Have you seen that?
0: With, uh... Uh, what's his name?
1: Yeah, that guy. Sam something. Sam
0: Rockwell. Yeah. Yes, I actually really liked the movie. It was a really
1: good movie, but, yes. like, it felt really crisp and not sloppy. Yeah,
0: but it's, but it's, no, but it's empty, right? That The, the movie's, like, it's very clean.
1: Yeah, um, that's what I mean. That's what very, I like. So, like, when yeah, we... Yeah. Yes, and we go into movies that are, like, really, like, yeah. deliberately cluttered and...
0: Oh, no, yes. In a way, it's very... Twelve Monkeys is very busy, both in the future with all of the...
1: Yeah.
0: You know a lot of people in cages and you have all of those cameras and all the television sets that interview him it's kind of like it gives an idea of a very chaotic busy future dystopia kind of thing and it
1: feels un- and it feels fake it feels fake to me because i think i've just been so spoiled by computer graphics that so many of these things just feel like they're manufactured so like the- my suspension of disbelief is broken like, the time machine thing in this movie, like, where they put him into a hole in the wall. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Or, like, the costume he puts on in the beginning to go outside. I'm like, what the hell is this? (laughs) So I just really think it's just me not growing up in this world where you, you came to the graphics as they improved, whereas I came to the graphics once they were already, like, already improved like the, okay. the visual effects so,
0: so how old were you when this movie came out it you wasn't your
1: 1995 I was oh, I was a teenager yeah so I wasn't that I wasn't that old it's just that I missed out on it um I missed out on these all all these things okay I didn't dislike it but I was also very confused <laughs> it took me to the end of the movie to be like oh I don't get it
0: well I still liked it with with some reservations, but it's still I can I can understand. Twenty years ago, Anna really big yeah. into that
1: movie. Yeah. I bet if I thought seen it as a kid, I would have liked it a lot more because I was way more open to way more open to like really shitty shitty graphics. <laughs>
0: let's, let's put it that <laughs> well, way. Thank you, thank you, Renee.
1: <laughs> shitty visual design. Which I, uh, maybe this maybe the visual design in this movie like, was. Visual effects, visual design, maybe these people, like, maybe this was, like, the top tier <laughs> of, of of these effects in, in 1995. Maybe the, the set team was given lots of awards for their work.
0: <laughs> I was just like, this feels like a made-for-TV movie. I, I think this is actually a possibility. I'm going to check it out and see if it won anything.
1: 12 Monkeys is probably available via some streaming and DVD mailing services and in those relics of the past rental stores. The television show based on the story also aired on Sci-Fi on January 16, 2015. If you have any recommendations for some other awesome time travel stories, please let us know. Last week, author K. Tibis Bradford published I Challenge You to Stop Reading White, Straight, Cis Male Authors for One Year, an essay on diversifying our reading by dropping cisgender straight white men and exploring writers outside that category. We thought it was a fun challenge, but predictably, the internet immediately exploded with outrage that they were being ordered to stop reading straight cis white men at all, having their reading habits policed, and other defensive straw men. This issue isn't new, and challenges like these aren't new, but the reaction is always inevitably the same. People really feel threatened when asked to let go of the dominant cultural group. So, Anna, what did you think about Tempest's article?
0: Well, you know, what I always think about these articles, that they are fine, that they are, you know, necessary, that they are okay, that that essay in particular was not... I I just, I don't understand... The reactions to it. Her article was quite mild. She was talking about her own experience. And then she was friendly in her challenge. And then I read the comments and I wanted to die.
1: Don't read the, don't read the comments. Anna, I the know. That's the first rule of the
0: internet. I know. I, and I'm always breaking that rule for some reason. I guess I'm a sucker for p- punishment. I don't know. It's just... I don't understand, Renee. I think this is kind of like my my slogan when it comes to these things online. I just don't understand, okay? So I, I, I thought her challenge, like I said, it's a necessary thing. It's something that I'm constantly doing myself and it's no hardship, people. It is literally... No hardship to be more inclusive in your reading, and it's it's a challenge. It's not a Norda. She cannot make you do anything. She, she doesn't intend to make you do anything. She's just putting it out there. If you want to, and you think you should, then you do it. But if you don't, you, nobody's gonna die. Nobody's gonna get killed. Books are not going to be destroyed, and white male cis straight guys are not going to be. I don't know, destroyed either, I guess.
1: They're not going to be shut out of the no, literary tradition if no, you don't read them. No,
0: it, it, oh God. Do you know, I I don't know. There were two two of my favorite things in, the, in those comments. And when I say favorite, I don't really mean favorite. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I think, first of all, there was the funny thing. The funny thing, which was the amount of people that completely derailed the conversation by defending... Or attacking neo-Gaiman because by chance um, the author was holding a picture of a neo-Gaiman book, American Gods, and she was kind of like crossing it, and people took offense to that because neo-Gaiman needs to be defended or something. And 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 I'm like, why? Why are you even including this as part of the conversation? And the other comment that I think that it's a comment that you see repeated over and over again every time we have this conversation is that we reach for enjoyment and recreation, not as a political statement. And I just don't see how one against the other. And I think you can still read for enjoyment and recreation whilst reading books by other than white, say straight male authors. And also, what is wrong with reading as a political statement? There's nothing wrong with that either. Sorry, I got really riled up about this.
1: I can tell. I knew as soon as I saw the title of the article what the response was going to be. When I did coverage of women on SFF blogs, looking at the stats of, re- of women reviewed on just fan blogs, this was a response. This whole, I, This whole over-the-top, unbelievable reaction to being asked to be more inclusive is the most mind-boggling, defensive, angry reaction I've ever seen. And I knew, like, I knew what the response was going to be. And I knew this was going to blow up as soon as I saw that title. And I don't know if she came up with that title of that article. Her editor might have done it. It might not have been her. It was a very clickbait. Like, it was literally clickbait for you to come and read the article. But that's the point of titles. The title is meant to make you come read the article. Then you read the article. But, well, we saw (laughs) that that was... But this is how SF fandom reacted when I said, hey, maybe we should be more inclusive in our reviewing. This is how they reacted. This is the same way.
0: Well, I guess, in a way, I understand when when you are confronted by your own privilege, it's a painful thing. It's something that is hard to do. I do that all the time. I, I am a woman, but I'm still white. I'm cis. I'm straight. I have all sorts of, of privileges, and I'm constantly, you know, checking them. And so, so I, I kind of understand, but I or maybe I don't understand. I just it's just that people take that challenge as something that is harmful, but it's not it's not a challenge out of hatred. It's a challenge out of love for reading. It's, it's 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 a challenge out of love for doing more and different things and discovering different worlds. Why would you not want to do that? Why would you want to limit yourself to a certain type of story written only by a certain type of author? Why would you not want to Expand your world. Why is that a bad thing? I again, my slogan. I don't understand. I don't know. It's it's. There's also the whole thing that goes along with that as well, which is the, you know, why would I do that? Because you know, I only I want to read what is good, so it should be based on merit, not on whatever. It is, and this is like you know, we, we don't pick things randomly. Random doesn't really exist in publishing. We, we talked about this before it is there is a whole system of privilege around stories and about who writes them who gets to review them who are reviewed the most where and who get and, be, and because who gets the more visibility and who gets the more visibility goes into a word list and then become bestsellers and so on and so forth and it's always the same people so
1: why do people have this reaction it's, that's a good question. I don't understand why people have this reaction. All I have been able to figure out is that when faced with the fact that they're being called on their privilege, even indirectly, they get defensive, they get angry, and then they respond to an attacker that doesn't exist, that's inside of them. Exactly. Because they're, they, they feel guilty and they don't know how to process it. Because it's a real, and and I'm not going to pretend it's easy. It's not easy. It's really a hard thing to do. But it's very, very valuable and worthwhile to make the effort. And you don't have to do it. You don't have to walk to do things in public. If you, if your reading is 95% white and 80% male, you don't have to talk about it in public at all. Nobody is going to come to your house and publish your reading stats. And if if you're embarrassed about it, all you have to do is just quietly add some add some different people to your reading list, and nobody's ever going to know. And what like what is there to lose? You might read a bad book, but you might meet a read a bad book by a white person. So what's the, so what's the big deal? It's always a risk.
0: Exactly. It's the, yes, exactly, Renee. I mean, back and back
1: before I got it, like back before I was focusing on this years years ago. Uh, I, my reading was bad. I didn't read a lot of women. Most of, most of my reading, uh, when I wasn't reading romance was by, by white men. And I had to make a really conscious effort to undo that. And a lot of the, a lot of the answer to that was <laughs> turn around to read a lot of romance. Cause at least then I have women on my list. And then I just kept, I kept adding intersections of identity and that's how I fixed it. And I, it took a long time, and it wasn't overnight, and it was hard, and I was embarrassed a lot of the time when I would find books that I would have not picked up if I hadn't made a conscious choice to do it, and I liked them. And I was just like, why have, why did, like, why did I lock myself out of this for so long? It's embarrassing, but you don't, like, you don't have to take the challenge in public. And I feel like a lot of the responses people people being, being like, oh, God, I don't want to do this in public. That's embarrassing. I feel like that's a lot of, like, the guilt and embarrassment is a huge factor in some of these responses.
0: It's
1: really interesting. I never thought about it that way. Laura Resnick um, wrote an entry that Foz took apart very effectively, I might add. The amount of, like, rhetorical hoops that people jump through to, like, discredit or mock Tempest article just swear like, are you joking? Really? Do you realize you're on the internet, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I was just, like that that whole that whole that whole that whole entry by R. Resnick was unbelievable.
0: But Foz Meadows' um, answer to that was super good. It was yeah. It, one of the things that it's really interesting to me is that it's when people say that they it's so hard to find. What should we do? Should we just look for pictures of people? And it's like you are on the internet. Surely you have seen or somewhere all of those articles about reading diversely, about we need diverse books, the amount of lists that are coming out on a weekly basis, everywhere everywhere, it's easy to find, just google it,
1: just google it they don't even have to google, they can go on twitter and be like, I would like to read some of this category of author, can somebody help me out you're going to get retweeted, people are going to send you rex, people will drown you in rex you don't even have to look for it people will do the work for you on twitter
0: that is also true or you know there are lists on good reads as well But it's it's easy right now right now it is easy because people are doing the work like i said people are going to do the work for you they are doing it there are every week i see more and more lists of all kinds of um, Diversity, you know, uh, intersectionality is really good as well as like women of color or LGBT women of color. There are so many stories and so many books coming out right now, and it's it's just easy. And like like I said, why would you want to limit yourself to one type of story only? So for myself, right? So I think I've talked about this before. Um, the book smugglers, uh, in terms of my own reading, I have been making an effort conscious effort to see what is it that i'm reading like you i used to read a lot of men and right now my reading is 80 percent women to 20 percent men and two of those 20 percent male authors i try every time i pick up a book and it's a book by a man i will see if it's uh if, if it's a person of color or if it's someone that identifies differently or if it's someone that it's, has come out as gay or, or transgender. And if, if not, if not one of those, then I would check to see if the characters are diverse. And if they are not, I will not read it. I'm sorry. I will not read it. That's how I'm choosing my books right now. It, it hasn't made a huge difference in terms of, no, I'm not reading worse books now. No, quite the contrary, actually. Like, last year, when I make this, this, this effort to read like this, it was my best reading year, by far. What do you have to say to that? People of the internet who think that your reading quality will decrease or some such ridiculous bullshit.
1: Because you you do know that white people got all the writing talent, right? That's, that's, that's true. Of course. It's
0: in it. <laughs> it's yes. In, it's, they yeah. are born. It's part of the white genes, I guess. Jesus Christ. Good.
1: I haven't really been focusing so much on my reading recently, which is not a good thing. But I actually went and looked and actually I'm not doing that bad, even though I haven't been paying attention. Still, like my numbers right now are 15 women to three men. And the men are actually a little higher because technically, in my, in the way I count, I, I read a lot of comics and graphic novels, and I count the artists as part of the creative team. So I count the, if, if, the, if the artist is male, I count the artist as as with with the author. So i so technically it's like more it's like fifteen to like seven uh, because there's some male artists in there, but that's still really good. That's, like, for me not paying attention. But that reason it's so good is because I've just made it a habit to be really careful. And so it, it, so now it just naturally flows. That's how, like, that's how my reading goes. And you can make that possible. You just have to work at it a small amount. Yes.
0: And it's, yeah.
1: Yes. Tempest made the point in one of her posts about how... Because was it wasn't an article, it was it in the post, a follow up post that she made. I can't remember. Because she does this, she ended up reading. She read. She ended up reading some white men, but she reads books by white men that are really, really good. Because when she makes the exception, she's making it based on like recommendations and her social circle or whatever. So she's reading really quality books because she's being selective. And I thought that was a really great point. And I think that's good. Like I still read white dudes all the time. Like several of my favorite authors are, you know, white men. Like some um, John Scalzi, James S. A. Corey. That's two dudes. So three, so, and like they're 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 pretty white and straight as far as I know. And I can still read their books and read other things too. I'm not like even if you took the challenge for a year, like you can modify that challenge, <laughs> like, right? I just,
0: I don't understand. A few
1: years ago, yeah. I did I did a thing where I had to read Five Women. And then after I read Five Women, I could read a book by a man. And that worked out fine. That was...
0: Just make it fun for yourself. It's a challenge that could be fun, actually. Do you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't yeah. sound like... <laughs>
0: it's not like you are... I, I, I don't know, Renee. I just, I don't understand people's logics. I just, I just don't understand their thought processes when... When these things happen. It could be a fun challenge in so many ways. It could. You know, and she listed really good books as well. For people to try and get a hand in trying her challenge. She was so helpful in everything. Well, the internet, so what else could you possibly ask?
1: Well, the internet repaid her for that kindness, didn't they? Yes. <laughs> Shoveled
0: some. The, the comments went on oh, and on.
1: And I felt on. so bad for her. I'm like, oh, geez. I'm so sorry. The internet's being a jerk.
0: But, you know, but there were people who were actually really helpful as well and really um, supportive. Like, for example, Uncanny Magazine um, is going to give away a copy of the third issue, if I'm not mistaken, to those who take up the challenge. So, you know, there are really cool people as well supporting her. Yeah, that was is, really neat. Yeah, that was really cool. Kate
1: okay, Timbers Bradford's essay is available at XOJane.com. Give it a read and let us know what you think. One Piece is a Japanese manga series written by Ichiro Oda. It's been published in Weekly Shonen Jump since 1997 and is still, in the year 2015, ongoing. The most recent volume released in the U.S. is 73, although in Japan volumes are up to 76. One Piece tells the story of Monkey D. Luffy, who eats a devil fruit that gives him the properties of rubber, and his adventures after he grows up and leaves home to become the next pirate king. So Anna, this is a story very close to my heart, and I'm very, very nervous about how you liked it.
0: I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Yes, I it, was, it was. I thought it was so much fun.
1: I think I, I get th- nervous because a lot of people. I feel like a lot of people think that manga is for kids.
0: I don't think that at all.
1: And but I mean, it is obviously <laughs> it is for kids. But, but it's, it's also is. One Piece is also I think for adults. In particular, actually, because it deals with... It does that neat thing that, that Pixar kind of does, like when they make movies on two levels, where they, it's really funny for kids, and then they'll like have humor that the kids are going to find funny, but the adults also find funny, but in a different way.
0: I just... I don't, I don't engage with stories that way, in a way that, oh, this is for kids, or this is for adults. I've always... I've always... I've always approached stories from the perspective that's... Is a good story is a good story is a good story. So I don't care if it's people think it's for kids, if people have written it for kids, if the kids are the intended audience. If it's a good story, I'll read it, I'll enjoy it. And this is what happened with One Piece. I thought it was immensely fun. I didn't know what to expect, to be honest, because I was introduced to this by you. Yes you know, yes, uh you brought it to my attention over um if you our listeners, if you don't know what Smoglyfus is, it's a month long um celebration of books that the book smugglers my blog uh, uh with um, my blog partner taya James, we do that every month in December, and we invite people to come over and talk about the things that they love, so Renee came over. You, Renee, came over and you talked about one piece for smugglers and it was a long post, right? <laughs> yes, it and was. And it was and it was like and you were talking about this thing that has been going for seventy three volumes about this guy part, who wants to be the pirate king and he's kind of like made of rubber. Well, actually he has the qualities of rubber. He's not made of rubber. He has the qualities of rubber and and I was like, How is what what how is, how is this a thing? And, um, and and that's only the beginning, people. Like if you ever even think about reading this, having the qualities of rubber is just really like doesn't even start to scratch the surface of this thing. Okay, there are people that are like fish fish people. I don't yeah, okay. It's a it's a not it's a thing. And you can and and it's like and he uses this the the qualities of rubber to great effect as well because he goes like (laughs) I don't even know how to explain this so basically like for example when he's in a fight scene, fighting scene and he's going, he's being attacked by a cannonball so he just inflates himself, but he just doesn't inflate himself, he goes gum gum, inflation or something like this and it's hilarious (laughs) because it's so over the top surreal and I think that's those two words or those two descriptors are probably the best ones for this year. Over the top surreal. <laughs> would you agree with that, Rick? Right yes,
1: now? I would. Uh, <laughs> One Piece is both over the top and surreal, and it will rip your heart out of your chest.
0: Okay, so I haven't got to that connection yet with the series, apart from the last volume.
1: That you read, yeah, which I was would- volume nine?
0: Which was volume nine. Yes, yeah. I had, I read the first nine volumes and I already bought the next six. So. Oh, Jesus.
1: I'm um, really I hooked you in. Um, it's
0: so great. The. Yeah, volume nine was when I first felt it, felt it in my heart mm-hmm. that those characters were worth fighting for, sticking with. But I kind of understand that this might not be for everybody. Yes,
1: it's very... The art... I Most the, most of the time people cite to me when I try to wreck it to people. They cite the art or they they cite, oh, that's for kids and I'm not interested and I can't convince them otherwise. So those are the two like main issues that I have when wrecking this manga. But yeah, I really think that... That's why I, I, I told you when I, I wrecked it to go up to volume 8 or 9. Because I, I really feel like if you get to those... like Especially if you get to volume 9 and you just don't feel anything for these characters, the manga is not for you at all.
0: But I don't understand saying... What does that mean, saying the art is for kids? It's, it's full of bloody battles with people being trumped on, punched, chopped to bits with blood everywhere. How is that for kids? If I could
1: explain the the way people think about literature for specifically marketed to kids. Because I think One Piece is like, specifically marketed to, like, a, a younger audience. It's just the marketing. But, I mean, if I could explain it, I would have solved the mystery of how to wreck it to people, I think. Just some people <laughs> just have a president, but some people just have... It's like the whole gross adults read YA thing that goes around once every three months. Oh, you know? That, that
0: was one just yesterday, yeah. but it's not go there. Because, yeah, it's, so.
1: just, it's, it's, it's the same thing, right? It's just it's snobbery, I guess. And... I admit that the story, is it's long, and it's winding, and it's like those, you know, it's like if, when you were a kid, if you were a writer, and you would write epic adventures in, like, a notebook <laughs> that would go on for, like, you know, two or
0: three notebooks. No, yeah, so I think, I think if there's one criticism that I could offer for those first nine volumes, that the fight scenes were super so long. Yeah. It's just they would go all for forever, forever and ever. And it doesn't get any... the same fight scenes. It doesn't get any better.
1: Like, he loves his fight scenes. I'm just warning you now. Like, I do a lot... With the fight scenes, I do a lot of, like... Sk- like, I'll skim through yeah. and see what happens. Right? And then I'll finish the volume, but then I'll go back to the fight scene and make sure I didn't... Like, I'll... I won't, like... I'll read like I'll read it, I guess, but I'll read it after I finish the volume, if that makes yeah. sense.
0: There is a lot of uh, information in the panels as well. I think there are some of them are quite busy, and I think the fight scenes sometimes it's really difficult to tell what's going on. I Who's just, punching? What? What's punching? Who? what's happening Yeah,
1: exactly. I just assume that everybody's just everybody's getting punched, and I just move on. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough.
1: Um. Yeah, because the enough. battle scenes, like the battle scenes, continue to get more. It, like they get longer and more intense, but I also think as the characters grow, especially Luffy and Zoro, the fights have more characterization in them as you go into and farther into the story. the 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 fights also become a tool of characterization. So in the early volumes, you can pretty much just you know. Like, skim through them or bypass them completely. But as you move into the later parts of the story and the characters are getting stronger, you got to pay attention to them because what's happening in the fights is also developing the characters themselves. Okay, oh that's
0: interesting because that's good to know. Did you I
1: notice? Guess... Did you notice the thing about Zoro and his little bandana? Did you notice that? It took me. It took me into. Like, Ira had to point it out to me, actually.
0: What thing?
1: Where he, he wears a bandana on his arm. It's a black bandana. And he'll. And he takes it off and puts it on sometimes.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, If you'll know, like, if you keep reading, which I thought this was really cool, and I don't, and I think you have to be very observant, because I I was on volume, like, 25 or 30 before Eva even pointed it out to me, and I had no clue that it happened. He only puts that bandana on when he's serious. So if he doesn't Uh have the bandana on and he's fighting somebody, he's not taking them seriously. Oh, and it's okay. just this really neat little piece of characterization that never gets I don't I don't remember it ever being commented on. It's just there.
0: Okay, that's interesting. And I really I really liked Zoro.
1: Yeah, Zoro is my favorite character after Luffy. Luffy is my favorite character, but
0: is he? Yes. It's interesting. I interesting. Th- I find well, at the moment for me he reads more <sighs> like a, a goofy kid. Like a
1: dumb like of bricks. <laughs> Yeah. Oh boy, don't you have some joyous moments coming coming up?
0: I think I think the I think the turning turnaround point for me with Luffy was I think in the last volume that I read. I think it was um, volume eight or nine. I don't remember now. But it was when there was this big revelation about Nami, right? Mm-hmm. About her real motivations of well, who she really is and, and the secret that she was hiding from them all, and. And Luffy, he was like, I don't want to know. I don't really care. I don't want to hear the reasoning behind anything. I'm just going to go and I'm going to get my crewmate. So I really I really liked that piece of development there for Luffy and Nami. But for, so far, my favorite character is Sanji. <laughs>
1: he's He's really great.
0: I really love him. I really love the whole thing. Oh, my God. The whole thing with him and Chef. And then the Chef calls him by his name. And I'm like, that was the moment when I cried for the first time reading this series. (laughs) And, of course, it's just, like I said, it's so over the top. The the art expresses that if if a character is crying, he's not really crying. It's like his whole face is just thwarted
1: his whole face is melting off with tears melting
0: off with tears exactly it's and it's brilliant I like that very much actually but here's
1: yeah here's the thing about the backstory and like you're gonna meet a lot of characters and they're gonna have a lot of backstory and this is what I mean when I say that Odo will rip your heart out with the backstory he will rip your heart out with the backstory (laughs) That's, that's what I mean like that's it's flat out uh, every time we get like a new main character, I would be afraid to read <laughs> because i was just like, I don't, I don't want to know what's happening to this character's past because it's going to hurt. <laughs> like when you, just, no, yeah. like when you tense that, you're like, oh God, what's. What's it gonna have, to have 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 happened to this guy? I don't like I don't know oh, how I no
0: feel. the whole thing with Nami and right. her foster mother and her sister and her motivation for doing it was like oh my god and the mother and, and the coins and selling and oh Jesus. Mm-hmm. That was heavy. And, and I found,
1: and I find Nami's backstory to be some of the easiest to handle.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh my god.
1: Because you're going to meet some characters later. You're going to meet. You've met. You've met Usopp. Yes. yes. So we. So we have five right now. Yeah. I get confused about what order they come in. You're going to meet Chopper. Okay. Um. You're going to meet Robin, and Robin's story in particular, her backstory, and the story that the the, the manga eventually comes to tell you about is. Uh, listen, I listen. I had an emotional hangover for like two days. Oh, I cried and cried and cried. And I couldn't stop crying. I was like, I gotta quit me. I gotta take a break. I gotta quit meeting this manga. I can't go on. It was rough. You have some time okay. to prepare, however. Because I think before- said. Before you meet- Before you meet these characters, you're gonna meet, uh, Vivi. And she's fantastic. I'm actually curious about what you think about- I know the manga right now doesn't have a lot of female characters. It's had Kaya, uh, Usopp's friend and its had it yeah. has Nami. So I'm kind of curious about- Because I know female characters are important to you.
0: No, I think I think they were fine. I think, you know, Nami is fantastic and she's she's the smartest one of the whole bunch. And she's the navigator and she's the one with the cunning plans. She's the thief and she's brilliant. I love her backstory about her motivation, how she goes about. She's a great fighter and I, I feel like at the moment, yes, there is only one major female character to four major male characters, but I think she's She stands out well on her own at the moment, and I know that there will be other female characters coming, right? Mm -hmm. There will be more regulars. So, yeah, I I really like it. I really like it. I really like her. And I really like other female characters as well, even if they are secondary ones, like Kaya, for example. I like her backstory, and I, I love that she just went and did what she had to do, and I think her story might be done. We're now, but... I don't
1: like it. Depend, like, it really depends because like, he has a really habit of like introducing characters and then like later bringing them back. I'm not like, I'm not caught up, so I don't know. But she might come back, she might not. Um,
0: but it's fine. She ended up and she's like, I'm gonna do this, mm-hmm. I'm gonna get well, I'm gonna be a doctor, and she went off to be a doctor. <laughs> I'm fine with that.
1: Another thing to pay attention to is the chapter panels, like, they'll be they'll ha- you'll have a chapter start, and there'll be like a panel with like a little short scene in yeah. front of it, right? The chapter title and yes. the scene. You got to pay attention to those panels. Okay. You got to pay attention to those panels. Uh because they have some they have really important backstory in them. And then they'll also they'll in in the future they also like will follow characters who, who are in the manga and leave the manga, but the, the little chapter things will still follow them and show what they're doing. That's really oh, important. Oh, that's
0: cool. Okay. And
1: so I didn't do this, and I got you know, really far into the story, and I hadn't been doing it, and I was just like, ugh. The first one I want you to watch for, actually, is um, Colby and Helmeppo. Okay. I want you to watch the the, chap- the the interjection or whatever. Like, I want you to see find the, their panels, because I think you will really find that delightful.
0: Okay. All right.
1: You've got to pay I, attention to everything. That's the bottom line. Okay, Do you know? I
0: really like as well. At the beginning of each uh, volume, there is a like a quick Q and A from fans uh, to the author, asking questions about the characters, about the story. I think I think they are fun as well. They're cute. They're really interesting. At least my my volumes have that. So I don't know if everybody's. will
1: have I mean, mine that. did. Yes, I read them because when I was when I was checking it out from the library.
0: Yeah, so that was really interesting. But one of the things that I like the most about this series is how, you know, we are talking about pirates, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they are going around and stealing things and going on adventures. And, you know, there are, of course, there are the evil characters, but most of the characters are really good people. they are so earnest as well and they have all of these impossible dreams so luffy wants to be the greatest pirate of all times and find the one piece that's the greatest pirate treasure of all time and for that he needs to travel the whole world right and then um sanji wants to be the best cook in the world and also go to the great blue to find this fish (laughs) and and uh, Zoro wants to be the great. They, they, they don't want to be a pirate. They don't want to be a cook. They don't want to be a swordsman. They want to be the greatest ones, right? <laughs> and I and I love that. It's just so great. And one of one of my favorite panels was a backstory about the chef that owns this restaurant. That is the floating restaurant that, that is on a ship. And he didn't he was a parrot but then he, he he quit piracy because he wanted to be able to have a restaurant where pirates could go in the middle of the ocean. So you're just like I love that so much.
1: Dreams uh, and ambitions are really important in yes. in this series. And I think and I mean in the very beginning it's very like it is very earnest, but as you pace forward you're going to, it's you're gonna find that it gets a little more, more complicated because you're gonna run into the government. And I don't like the world building in one piece is really interesting because it feels in later volumes it sort of feels kind of dystopic to me. And I and I don't really and I don't know if know if that's accurate. I don't know if that that the sense is correct. Uh, but it like feel like it gets really really political and complicated, which okay. I think is really fascinating for a series aimed at children. The the fact that it gets gets that political uh, over like, really complicated topics about like freedom and. Personal choice, and I'm so so I'm really interested to see what you think when you get up to the when you get past the you know the basics like the the setups where he's adding members to his team.
0: Yeah, he's, he's still very early days, isn't it? He? Mm-hmm. Yeah, still, you're. He's like very early days. Yeah, he's still, so... it's just about start his adventure and he's still getting the crew members. There's 76
1: like... volumes. What what number so, are you? Well, oh, yeah,
0: definitely early days. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: now you know how early it is. And here's the thing about that: you're going, you're gonna get, you're gonna catch up because I caught up once. I think I managed to get, almost catch up once, and I was like, "That's it. There's not, there's not more." <laughs> and I wanted, like, you don't ever, you 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 think you would get tired of it, but once you just get hooked into the story, you just want it to keep going because there's such great characters. Yeah, they are
0: really great characters. So I this mean, was a success, I'm guessing. Yes, it
1: was. That's a success
0: thank you very much for that recommendation (laughs) yay I'm so glad you liked it I was really nervous (laughs) no I really did I really did I think yeah it's exactly it's exactly I think your post prepared me well
1: for the
0: the over the top surreal bits yeah okay that's good I think your post prepared me well I think had I not known what to expect with the gum gum (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hilarious. So, yeah, the devil fruit this is the best.
1: I'm really glad you liked it. One Piece is available via collected volume and hard copy or ebook at your local book retailer. If you've managed the beat of strength that is reading One Piece, please come tell us what you thought. It's okay if you need to cry. Uh, please be cautious of spoilers, as Anna is still early on in the series, and I've only made it through Thriller Bark so far. Okay, it's time for recommendation. Anna, you're up first. What do you have this week?
0: Right. Okay, so I have a duology. It's called um, The Story of Owen. It's the first book. And The Prairie Fire is the second book. They are a YA duology by E.K. Johnston. And Prairie Fire is the second book that just came out this week. And they are about dragon slayers. And it's alternate history in a world... It's our world but only with dragons. And dragons, they are attracted to carbon emissions. So basically, whenever you have a big town and you have a big factory and you have cars and you have uh, carbon emissions, the dragons are attracted to it. So basically, the world has had to adapt to this. And and, and people just go and live in farms and and, and far away from, from big cities. But the Dragon Slayers are mostly engaged by the government to work for the government near the big cities because they need to protect the oil, you know, the main production centers. Uh, so it's kind of like a political thing, but it's really fun as well because the, the books are narrated by a bard and the bard is a, it's a, it's a girl. She's a, a musical genius and she is uh, the best friend and she follows this dragon's, dragon slayer called Owen and Siobhan uh, the bard uh, is the first bard in centuries basically. And she has been um, contracted say by uh, Owen's aunt who used to be the greatest dragon slayer of all time. And it's a great story. It's fun. It's, it's really thoughtful in, in, in the way that it builds the world building up around this whole thing. And, and it's a very diverse world as well. So, for example, The Greatest dragon Slayer, like I said, she uh, is a woman, she's retired now, and she's married to another woman who is a blacksmith in charge of making her wife's swords. And it's it's just, it has really cool imagery. And I love those books so much, and I highly recommend them. What about you, Renee? What do you have to recommend?
1: I'm going to recommend the fic because maybe if I recommend it here... In front of everybody, you'll finally read it. Whoops. (laughs) You're so responsible. I'm going to recommend On the Other Side of a Downward Spiral Spiral by Tora Kowalski. It is a Steve Bucky story where Bucky Barnes adopts a baby. That's the story. It's actually, there's more to it than that. He's not well and he's trying to recover and the avengers get this baby so they don't really know how to deal with it so he takes it and he's really good at you know caring for this baby and it's super cute basically when i recommended this last year i think i think my thing was like bucky Mars was a baby that was my rec (laughs) (laughs) and i feel like this is a totally valid recommendation and everybody should read this story because it's so adorable i've probably read it about you know 150 times at this point it's great. Come on Anna, come on, you know you want to. <laughs> I know, okay, listen. I know that you're not like into like babies for yourself, but dudes with babies is great cuz they're so <laughs> cute.
0: <laughs> okay, I will try, Renee. I will try for you.
1: It's only, only 30,000 words.
0: It's so cute. Okay. It's fine. It's doable.
1: Anna, thanks for talking with me this week. No probs. You can find links to some of the things we discussed today at fangirlhappyhour.com or on our Tumblr at fangirl.tumblr.com. You can email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com, find our Twitter feed at fangirlpodcast, or drop us an e- and ask on Tumblr. For both myself and Anna, thanks for listening. See you next episode.
0: you a question please say yes have you watched back to the future oh my god oh my god i just can't i can't deal with this yes oh i have sort oh of god, i feel such a huge sense of relief right now it's just i think like my heart stopped for a moment there I...